Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and often I'm with a guy named Jason Kemper. Today I'm with Sass, and I'm not going to give you his complete and last name. Sass is a young man that was adopted from Russia, has uh, eventually moved to Wisconsin, and is now in the Nicolay Bible Institute here at Silver Birch Ranch, and we're thrilled to have him here. And I thought, with all the unrest in the world, this is a great time to talk to somebody who's got a perspective a little different than maybe the normal citizen growing up in the United States of America. I mean, as I talk with Sass, there are so many things I don't understand about why you think the way you do, um, because I don't understand what it's like to have the, the press limited like it is. I don't understand what it's like not to live in a place where you have complete freedom of speech. You know, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, but you've lived through that, and you've also been in our country. You're very involved in politics. Um, so, Sass, where, where did you come from exactly? Where were you born? So I was born in Vladikaskov, Russia. Okay, and, and what part of Russia is that? If I'm looking at Russia on a map, is it, you know, like I actually would know if you told me, but is it in the far western, eastern part? So it's on the far southern, so if you're right by the Black Sea, um, right where Crimea and Georgia, the country, are. Okay. We are about 15 minutes away from Georgia, the country. Okay. So, so you grew up basically in an orphanage till what age? Uh, till eight and a half. Eight and a half. Can you tell us how you got out of the Russia? <clears throat> so how I got out of Russia was um, back in 2006 when Steve and Jenny uh, from England, uh, when they went to Moscow, they only went for one girl. But they decided to adopt, but they decided to go to Vladikaskov instead of Moscow. And it was interesting, the reactions of... Now, let me ask you a question while you're doing this. Why, why was could they not adopt from the United States? And were these people from the United States or were they from England? So Steve and, Steve and Jenny, they were both... Uh, Steve was part of Princess Diana's Royal Guard in England. Okay. And Jenny was Scottish. And so because Steve was married to Jenny, uh, they had English citizenship. Okay. And Americans could not adopt Russian kids at that time. So it was either you have to be a dual citizenship and then leave your all-american papers either in england or you take the risk of being killed and you go to american family goes to russia and then hopefully they don't get killed okay and the reason why is because um there's a prolonged story of the conflict and how you know the bad stigmas and all communists are bad so what you know, what the federal government did was they stopped the adoptions. So it was Russia who stopped the adoptions. The United States would have continued it if Russia allowed it? No. Or, or did, was it the United States that didn't trust Russia? And I really wouldn't know who to believe on this anyway, but what, what's your take on it? So what the, the real fact of it is that America, uh, not America, the United States stopped adopting. Okay. Um, the only reason why they stopped adopting was because there was this one family out of New York City that adopted a Russian kid, and their kid didn't know like what environment he was, so he went crazy. Okay. And so he, the sad part is he did kill both of his parents, um, but he right. didn't know how to react, and he was only six years old. So in the Supreme Court, that was uh, a case that was very controversial. Um you had the federal government came down with a verdict saying that, okay, you cannot adopt kids uh, from okay. Russia because that was prohibited. Yeah. You know, what I'm enjoying is we talk today on this program. You, you have to understand we're talking to a guy named Sass. He grew up in Russia. And as he looks at things, he's going to tell us about things as he understands them. And that's important for you to grab. Because in our life, so many times we read things in the news. We read things and we think we get an understanding of something. And even Sass has a certain understanding of something that the rest of us may not have. 
And it may be right or it may be wrong because all of us depend on information that comes into our heads. And we have to always put in context that Satan's greatest tool is that he's the father of lies. And deception. That's right. And if you're deceived, so you don't even know it, so you're not even guarding against it anymore. So that's a very dangerous thing to do. Shas is here at the Nicolay Bible Institute, and we're opening the Bible. We're talking about things that in life are important to have in foundational ways in your life, and he's working on that. And I've appreciated all these honest conversations with him. And we're at the point now where he's saying, okay, he was in Russia. This couple came over from England to basically adopt him because the United States, Americans, uh, people who are citizens of the United States couldn't do that for whatever reason. And, and yet uh, that was even tough getting you out then. How did you get out of Russia as one who was in a, uh, an orphanage? So the only way it was rough getting out of Russia. So when Steve and Jenny, when Steve and Jenny went to Vladikaskov, um, they had, they actually had to circle around the airport for six and a half hours. Okay. And the reason why they had to circle for around the airport for six and a half hours, literally up in the air, and I'm surprised they had enough fuel, is because that part of, um, there was a tank battle like literally on the other side of the tarmac. And so according now, Steve being in uh, the military, he all of his back of his hairs and his awareness spiked right on up. And so it was it was hectic when they came on because the Russian military went on and said, if the, anyone's American, if anyone is American, show your documentation. They had to show everyone on the plane had to show documentation. So what happened was that if you were American and Steve uh, spoke to his guards because he had private guards, private security. And sure. stuff. So they said that, thank goodness you're not American because you would have been arrested on the spot and sent to a work camp outside the city. Yeah. Now, now that's that's interesting to hear. But in that in that light, I mean, he was getting into something he knew about. Absolutely. Right. So in, in essence, he was walking into harm's way to try and rescue a child. Oh, well, it was only he got more than one. Yeah, he got more. Well, and the matter of fact that he not only got one girl, and that's what they're going to go for, but he got four boys and actually they got four boys and three girls because the orphanage is like take as many kids as you can. Yeah. And it was by grace of God, actually, um, because after two hours after we left in the middle of the night under shelling and under fire, uh, the orphanage got bombed and everyone was um, everyone was killed. Over 150 babies were. Yeah. So you missed that, and how'd you get out then? I mean, what did he do to get you out? So what happened was um, the day before, it was a Thursday. We're supposed to leave around Thursday afternoon, supposedly. But the KGB and the Russian military, they went and tried to put a scavenger hunt for Steve and Jenny to go do, and it ended up being about a full day's worth, about 5000 through, uh, $5,000. And afterwards, they were like— So they were trying to get bribes to get you out. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so what happened was that the bribes weren't working, and so now the Russian, <clears throat> the Russian military and the KGB now made it impossible for them to get the to uh, get to the orphanage. So they had a huge, a huge presence around the orphanage because they knew that something was up. But the was the blessing was that we had uh, around midnight or so, around 10 p.m. or so, there were air raid whistles that went off, and so the the city started getting shelling. So they went for they went for cover. And so it was at that location that um, they came in, and through the middle of the night, we went into white, three white vans, and I didn't know who these guys were. I thought these guys were bad people, the, uh, along with Steve and Jenny, um, because they had big guns, and I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And so, but they were good people, and they're private, well, private ex-military people that Steve sure. hired uh, to come in, and uh, it was a rescue mission. Try and get you out. Yep. And so. 
they we rushed over into the white vans and then we escaped into Georgia and then from the Georgia we went to England for six months. And you remember this pretty vividly. You remember the fighting. You remember the noise. You remember the guns, obviously, because you're a boy, a eight-year-old boy. Well, and how could you not remember when you had smallpox at eight and a half? And years you had old? smallpox, so you weren't even wanted anywhere at that point. No, uh, they they took you, even though you had that, huh? That the Steve and Jenny took you regardless of your illness. Absolutely, and they also took me regardless of um, how my one leg was short in the other. And a matter of fact, I wasn't even supposed to be in the orphanage actually, because around five years old, uh, normally. Uh, the Russian government would come in for they do monthly inspections, and so the sad part is that they would dehumanize you, uh, dehumanize all the kids because you have to go like out in the backyard, and then you have to like uh, they would come in and then they would hose you off with literally with a garden hose, yeah. And so and then they would do inspection, and if they said, "Oh, you're good. You seem like you're going to be fit for the military. You go to Moscow. Oh, you seem like you're good with uh, you're short, but you're kind of buff a little bit." you can just go start making weapons. And yep. because of my health and because I was deteriorating my health, uh, I had the orphanage is pretty much, the military just left me at the orphanage to die. And that was my option. And so okay. then I was there until I would have probably been kicked out because I was the, or, I was the oldest one at the orphanage. Okay. And I wasn't supposed to be there in the orphanage. Okay, so you, you, you finally get to Georgia. From Georgia, where'd you go? Uh, we went to England. Okay. Uh, it was, I think, London. Okay, and um, how long did you stay there? Six months until smallpox. <laughs> Until smallpox went yeah. through, and then um, after the smallpox went through, then we and all we had to get all vaccinated and all the kids vaccinated, and then we went to Bend, Oregon from there. Yeah, so it's pretty good that um, no COVID during that time, or you'd still be in Georgia, uh, probably. Oh, who knows? I'll yeah, probably be back in what, Russia. Yeah, yeah, who knows what would go on there. So then you got to the United States, and where did you go in the United States first? So we went to the we went to Bend, Oregon. Okay. Uh, and that is on the West Coast. And from there, somehow you ended up in Wisconsin. How'd you get here? So after after some rough patches during that time, around 2008 or so, around late 2008, after living under rough conditions and stuff, yeah. um, I was adopted by another family of a pastor and a choir teacher. Okay. And, and they were in Wisconsin? Yep. Okay. Now, so this family originally didn't adopt you. They just took you? The first family, yes. Okay, so you weren't really adopted by, by those two. You were just rescued. Pretty much, yeah. And then you were brought different places. And uh, along the journey, I bet you you didn't feel very wanted. No. Yeah, that's too bad. You know, I, if nothing else that our listeners hear today, Sauce, I want them to hear that there are children like you all over the world, even today, that are fleeing for their lives from the Ukraine. There's children in Russia that, are, you know, have lost their dads in this war. There are, there are more orphans that are being made, uh, if you want to call it that right now. And children are suffering because of the sin of mankind in general. And, and sin always causes issues, always. I don't care who's demonstrating the sinful behavior, it causes problems. You could be somebody who's kind and rescues a child from an orphanage, and still be somebody who hurts that child down the road it, by the way you live or, or whatever else it might be. Um, and what we need to do as a culture is turn back to God. Our leaders need to turn to God. Our, our parents need to turn to God. Our systems need to turn and say, what is the right thing to do? It is always right to take care of orphans and widows, always. Yeah. And we need to get back to where we do that somehow in a way that would help them reach their potential. Uh, you have been in NBI now, and and obviously in a place where hopefully you feel accepted and wanted, and 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 that kind of thing. 
But at the same point, I, you know, I, and I've taught this so many times, whatever your skill, your ability, whatever body part God's given you, you're a precious commodity to God. You need to develop that and let God use that part wherever it is. Now, maybe a part I don't even see or, or wouldn't even understand. If I'm an elbow in the body of Christ <laughs> and you're a toe, you know, I'm not thinking a whole lot about your toeness. You know, I mean, I, I hope you're a nice toe and you don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in life, you know, here right now, as far as understanding who God is, my message to you and every child like you that grew up in this kind of environment is to understand, first of all, that sin is costly. You've seen it. And to realize that the, the greatest cost of all sin is that it separates you from a loving God. Let's, let's come to God, accept the fact that we've been separated by this sin, and accept his gift, and that's what adoption is, accept his gift mm-hmm. to be in his family because we're needy people, and yep. that is through Jesus Christ. And I assume, Sas, you're one who put, placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Yeah. And if I may piggyback, <clears throat> so since being at MBI and stuff, you know, it's been, it's not just been like a, it's been a very rough year for me. Sure it is. Um, the reason why is because major health, in the, so in the fall, it was very, so <clears throat> I really thought, you know, I'm like, okay, God is going to be great. You know, he's good. I got a plan. Okay. So go through this wonderful MBI program and, you know, be able to grow my faith and be able to impact lives and just do this wonderful program. Well, it all started off on September 26th. September 16th of last year when I, you know, collapsed and then three more different times and now I have major health problems, you know, and that's, it's one of those setbacks when you think that you're like, okay, now people kind of realize who, you know, I'm kind of wanted by the, you know, the faculty and not only that, but I'm building relationships and stuff. And that's important if you're a person that's, you know, trying to build with Christ and stuff, but it's a huge setback when you have to go back home and you not only have to go back home, but you're away and you get that time taken away from you. And now yeah. you go back and like I went back after Christmas and I went, yeah, after Christmas and stuff. And it was weird going back to the environment because everybody else was building a relationship. And it's like being with um, when, you know, when I tell my my follow not my followers, but when I talk about my on my podcast. So remember, God loves you and I'll meet you at the finish line saying that sometimes we divert away from the path that God has set for us. Right. And, but when we go back on the path or when we go back to MBI and we go back to a place where we're by other followers, I think it's that time where God's like, okay, you know what, Saslin, or you know what, Sas, <clears throat> you've kind of developed a little bit. Let me see how, where your faith stands. Right. There, I would never take a moment back going to the hospital, not 12 different times in the ER. Each of those 12 different times, I was able to make sure to pray for a nurse. When a nurse says, can you pray for me and my son who is battling cancer? Sure. I right there and then I will stop everything and I pray. And the best thing is that her name, uh, I'm, it was a nurse and it was at uh, Madison. She was at the VA and she was in teary eyed and she was like 24 years old. Sure. And she's like, you know, you, how do you do it? Like, how are you so positive? And anyway, you got this weird health thing that we, you, we don't know what you have. How do you be so positive? I'm like, you know why? Because I have a loving God that cares for me and that he's adopted me on as his family. And she's like, I want to know who that person, I want to, I want that relationship. I'm like, absolutely. Let me pray for you. And when she started giving teary eye and it was just one of the best, and it's one of the few examples, but that was one of the things that I, even I cried after the prayer. I'm like, you know, it's really interesting, Sas, because 
once again, you're in a position that many people are not. I grew up in a, in a home where I had a really solid mom and dad. Mm-hmm. They were always there. So I had to learn how special it was to have a heavenly father. Yes. Because I had parents who were good parents who loved me and loved God. And I'm telling you, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yep. However, you're in a great position where God keeps putting you where he is your sustaining power. He is the one who loves you. He is the one. And so it gives you a platform to speak. And, you know, you've been here this year, and you know that, that my life is not without struggles as well. My wife came down with cancer. I have narcolepsy. I have heart problems. I have So, you know, here I am teaching you as a 66-year-old guy about the love of God and how important that is to me. And my his- health issues are there. And your health issues are there. The, the sinful past, uh, uh, your own and, and others around you, can scar you. Mm-hmm. We understand that. But, but the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God can propel you forward. Absolutely. And it depends where you put your focus. You have every reason in the world to be embittered and angry, but not if you begin to, to live as a child of the king. Then you have every reason in the world to proclaim that there is one who can adopt you. Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing that an adopted child has to offer an adoptive parent is their neediness. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. They have a need. Somebody came to Russia, grabbed you, and left for Georgia. Mm-hmm. You ended up here in Wisconsin. Now, did you ever come to, to Silverbridge Ranch as a camper? I did. Actually, it was back in 2012. Okay. <clears throat> so you've been here as a camper. I did. And what? And it's kind of funny because I'm like, okay, I can see myself at Silverbridge. I saw and the first because <clears throat> my my family went up here and they brought Emily up here for the horse the four sure. the camps and stuff and so I'm like you know I'm interested in going in this because I was you know I was a little kid and yep. <clears throat> and I remember going to the old chapel and putting my name on the rock and, <clears throat> and it was funny because you know anyway I gave my life back in 2012 I think and it was I'm like okay I wouldn't mind but it's that something that niche that was planted and anyway like a lot of people think okay Here's here's one thing. I thought, you know, after leaving Silver Bird Trench, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be this go getting young guy, like high school ki- or yeah, middle school kid, sure. and I'm gonna tell the world about Christ. Well, that I called the Jesus side. That lasted about a week, right? And then it and then struggles hit. But then about high school, I went and back in high school, I did the tracks program as a co counselor. Sure. And afterwards, then I volunteered for a couple, I think, a couple summers. And then um, the sad part is that I. I thought I was done with Silver Trench, which I'm glad I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and so <clears throat> because of that, um, I did cross, I did, I joined the United States military and I was going to go um, be like, like, sure, you know. And so it was my time in the military where you couldn't go during the summer. And then the sad part is because of major health problems that I had, uh, the military decided to let me go. Um, anyway, it was like, yeah, so it was sad leaving the military. Yeah. Um, and then that's where I'm like, okay, well, I want to further my education, but I want to work on my faith yeah. because I want to say, how do I, anyway, I went through this traumatic life experience. I'm like, how do I else, how do I not only, not only do I share my faith, but how do I stay strong and firm in my faith? Yeah. Yep. You know, Sasha, it's interesting because you know I have a great respect for some of the, the Russian artists and authors and I think, uh, you know, I've told you, I think that some of the great thinkers of all history have been Russians. And, yeah. And, and so I think you 
could develop into a young man that God uses in a very significant way. There are so many experiences in your life. And I would be saying this to anyone your age sitting across the table from me. I would say, you know what? The experiences in, in your life, if you allow God to use those to train you rather than make you a victim, if you could learn of who God is, if you can learn of his mercy and his grace. Look at the Apostle Paul. This guy wrote about mercy and grace all the time because he would murder Christians before he was the Apostle Paul. And I'm sure he would sit at nights and go, I don't deserve to be in God's family. I don't deserve anything. I deserve death. And and yet God gives me life. Not only that, I'm writing scripture. You know what yeah. I mean? It's one of those things where all of a sudden he's amazed by God and his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. And And you could be 20, 30 years from now somebody who just is a great voice for the love of God and the consistency that brings. And, and all these experiences in your life now are experiences that he will use to help you understand the things you need to understand. Uh, speaking of understanding, that's, that's tough in our world. You know, one of my favorites from um, Russia's Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And uh, remember, you were told, what were you told about him in grade school? Or what do you remember you were told? Like, that could be two different <laughs> oh, things, yes. actually. So what I remember was, you know, that name did brush aside. And I was, I was awestruck when you said that, like how he was such a great poet. But uh, all what we heard. Writer, was, I'm not oh, sure right, I used the word poet. Poet, but, same yeah, thing, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, all we were told in school, you know, when you're in kindergarten and stuff, we were we were trained saying, hey, these people are bad. You know, they're prop. Sure. They went against the government. You don't be this person, you know. And so, you know, like the memes that you do on right. during the class, don't be this guy. Right. He, that's what that's what the Russian schools taught us. Like, yeah. and in our early grade, it's called brainwash. It's called brainwashing at an early age. So, um, it was about I think it was the fifth fifth week in our I think kindergarten when we were uh, brushed over Alexander. Like, yeah. Solzhenitsyn, yeah. yeah, it was about that about fifth week into our fifth, uh, kindergarten class when we were told that he went against the Russian government and that he was uh, ostracized yeah. outside the country. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be that person. Yeah, well, you know what? Here's what's interesting. He did go against the Russian government. He went against Lenin and he went against the murdering of, of people. Here, let me again. Here, here's what's interesting. When I first mentioned his name, I remember because he's a Russian, I looked at you and you were a little confused as, as to me quoting a guy. Uh, that you were told was a bum in in yep. my own words in my own Chicago blue collar dialogue. <laughs> yeah. But but here's who he is. He died in 2008. In 1970, he was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. And so the rest of the world was looking at this guy going brilliant. And Russia was saying no no good. Don't listen to him. Uh, but he was an ethical force. It says if you look him up that pursued indispensable traditions of Ru Russian literature. He was actually a proponent for Russia and its literature and its people. And, and Lenin painted him as an enemy, mm -hmm. which is, again, interesting. Here, here's, um, you must understand, here's what he said. I mean, talking about um, Solzhenitsyn. He said, you must understand the leading Bolsheviks who took over Russia were not Russians. They hated Russians. They hated Christians. Driven by ethnic hatred, they tortured and slaughtered millions of Russians without a shred of human remorse. It cannot be overstated. Bolshevism committed the greatest human slaughter of all time. The fact that most of the world is ignorant and uncaring about this enormous crime is proof that the global media is in the hands of the perpetrators. So back then, now he died in 2008, and he's telling us, you know what? Don't trust the media. They're going to spin it any way they want to to make you think certain things. The truth is the Bolsheviks 
hated Russians. Mm-hmm. And, and you keep hearing things, but it's hard to get truth. I, two more quotes from Alexander, just because I think it, it, it's appropriate for this day and age. Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn said this, the simple step of courageous individual is not to take part in the lie. One word of truth outweighs the world. Once again, when we look at things, Alexander Solzhenitsyn is saying, the only way you can defeat lies is by living within the truth. That's it. Mm. And, and that's for everybody. I know you've asked me at times, you know, you've said, well, this person is in Russia and they're, they, you know, they have influence or whatever. And I keep telling you the same thing. Tell them to turn around and go home for supper and get out and quit, prep, you know, quit throwing bombs. Yep. You know, and it looks so simple. But in essence, I'm saying, let that one person do its right. Yep. And, and then one more quote. Yeah, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, you can resolve to live your life with integrity. Let your credo be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph, but not through me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where your struggle is at this point. I think you're going to struggle trying to find the truth because you're not going to find it in the media. No. So you're going to have to find it elsewhere. And the Nicolay Bible Institute for you is setting up so, okay, let's find truth in the Bible to start with. Let, let's find what it says. Mm-hmm. And, and it starts right at the beginning where it says, in the beginning, God. It doesn't say in the beginning, sauce. It doesn't say in the beginning, Dave. So, so you start there, okay, God, not, not Dave, not sauce. Now what does that mean? Yep. And then we understand about God's love for us. We understand that people have choice. We understand. So now you start living in the context of truth. And, and I tell you, every time you live in the context of truth, um, Satan shows up because you're threatening him. Yep. He can't beat truth. In fact, during our recording, we, we, we already had a program half done and it, and it got really weirded. <laughs> yeah. Something happened to it that I'd never seen happen before. All of a sudden, yeah. my voice was like this weird voice <laughs> and, and you're, it was just totally out of control. Yeah. And I thought, and I'm looking at you going, I don't know what just happened. Yeah. This is the oddest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, we scrapped that whole one and started over. And for all I know, I hope this one actually is recorded by the time we're done with it. And, <laughs> yeah. And we can get it out now. And there's a major. There, uh, so I want you to read the quote that you mentioned in class. It just resonated with me. I think that's very important that people know that. What quote was that? that I, I don't remember. I'd have to go look. And was, we're we're gonna get together okay. again, and I'll, I'll look that one up and and get it for you. Okay. But you know, one of the the most important things in life is to realize that there is truth out there. If you're a citizen of the United States of America, you're not going to find it in the news. Mm -mm. If you're a citizen of Russia, you're not going to find it in their news. If you're in Bulgaria, you're not going to find it in their news. You know, start to understand that one of the great responsibilities a human being has is to live in a way that represents what truth is. If a culture, if an individual, if a nation is going to reject God, then they have no way to know truth. So now they're manufacturing truth. And when you manufacture something you call truth, you better put it in quotes Mm -hmm. because it's no longer truth at that point. It's your opinion about something. And always, if you're sinful people, you're trying to get the world to revolve around you because that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to get everything to revolve around him when it doesn't. And satanic people, people who have listened to the lie, do the same thing. I would still say publicly it's wrong to go over into Ukraine or any country and just bomb indiscriminately and bomb people and kill innocent people. That isn't right. But it's on both sides. It's, uh, I'm saying it anywhere. Yeah. Whether it be Ukraine, whether it be Ukraine doing it to Russia, whether it be Ukraine doing it to, you know, 
somebody out in the ocean or something. It's one of those things where you look at it and go, okay, evil is evil. Yep. And, and what we need to do is have enough people that know truth and get away from it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Dave Wager. I'm here with Sass right now. We're in a program called Younger, Older. And if you hang around or you have podcasts, you can go get the next one where we'll continue this discussion. Goodbye for now.